Hey there, Fellowship family. Welcome to your one-stop shop for all things church life. I'm Mark Francis, once again, your host for today. We've been engaged in this Building Bridges focus for several weeks now, really since the beginning of the year. And just to recap, we started out with this emphasis in prayer. And several weeks ago, we decided to turn the page and say, what goes beyond prayer? Um, how can we um, open our mouths? How can we present the gospel to people um, in a way that, you know, where God gives us those opportunities? Last week, we heard from Mike Lukens and Rose Locke, where we were able to see how worship fuels our evangelism. And I'm excited to have just some storytelling time today. So I've got a couple of people here from church. You might know them, you might not know them, but it's exciting to meet new faces. So I'm going to turn over here to my left. You're watching audience right at home. This is Mr. Paul Carey. How are you? I'm good. You can let go of the mister part. I though. can let go of the mister? Yeah. Well, just for those that don't know, <laughs> Paul, you are Mark and Lisa Carey's oldest son. That's correct. And he um, suggested that I put you in this seat today. So yes. I'm excited about that. <laughs> excited to see what, what, can, what comes from this conversation. Over here on the other side is McKaylee Lehart. And we talked about your last name, so yeah, we did. We got did it. I did yeah. I say it right? You did. You got it right. Okay, yeah. according to your husband, According that's the way husband, it goes. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> well, McKaylee, thanks for being here. I'm gonna turn to you first, okay? Just to hear a little perspective, like tell us about yourself and what led you to town and what led you to FBC. Yeah, so um, I moved here in Jul end of July. Uh, my husband and I got married in the middle of July, and then we moved here after, um, and I. It, I work as a physician assistant in town mm -hmm. um, currently, and how we got here is a crazy God story. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, some people in the church have heard it. Um, we, my, we were engaged, and I was doing a clinical rotation in Pennsylvania, actually. Mm. And my husband was living on the Chesapeake, and they offered me a clinical rotation in Winchester, Virginia. And I said, "Never heard of that place. I'm not going." <laughs> Um, no, thanks. And so ever since then, God kept laying Winchester on our hearts. And I said to uh, my fiance at the time, I said, we have to go check this place out. God uh -huh. keeps saying something about it. Hmm. So we booked an Airbnb that had two bedrooms as we were engaged at the time, um, not staying together yeah. in the same room. That fell through. And so the only one left for the night in our budget was uh, actually Mark and Lisa's <laughs> house. But we wouldn't come to know oh, wow. that until we got to their house. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit prompted me to say, the carpet looks comfy for Zach to sleep on. And he kicked me um, when we were talking to Lisa. And she said, can I ask why he's sleeping on the floor? And I said, oh, because we're not married yet. And she said, can I ask, you know, what religion you are? Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, Christian, non-denominational. And she said, my husband's a pastor, invited us up to fellowship the next morning. Uh -huh. hmm. And through a lot of events, the Holy Spirit had led us here back in July. And that was in February. That's awesome. And so your husband's yeah. name is Zach. His is named Zach, yes. And so you officially landed in town, you said, July. last July. Yeah, we've yep. been here, what, seven, eight months now? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it is obviously a God thing that you're sitting on this other side of the seat, a relationship to <laughs> your invitation to come to town yeah. and to church. So, Paul, just uh, give us a quick rundown of really what brought you to Winchester, Virginia, and Fellowship Bible Church. Oh, man, that's been too long. I don't know if I can remember. <laughs> it's ways back. Um, Dad and Mom came out here to visit... Um, dad's sister and friends of theirs that mm -hmm. they grew up with and or went to college with sandy and cedric bear and uh attended church here and I, harry adams was the pastor yep. <clears throat> and it was a sunday i think that they were leaving the, the bears were taking them 
back to the airport after church. And as they were getting there, Cedric or Sandy said, Mark, you should move out here. <laughs> and Dad jokingly says, well, if Harry dies or resigns, call me. A couple of weeks later, or I don't remember time frame, but not, not long <laughs> not soon after, after yeah. um, Dad gets a call and goes, Mark, you're never going to believe this. What? Harry just resigned. And Dad had no intentions of leaving. We lived in Butte, small community of 500 people in the middle of nowhere. And uh, he had been pastoring there for nine years. And no intentions of moving. Mm. But this was just one of those, couldn't shake it. The Lord was yeah. mm-hmm. directing this. Yeah. And, and through, uh, I'm sure, much wrestling with it, they came out here candidated. And and, uh, and how old were you? Do you I remember? was nine. So do you remember this transition oh, yeah. for your family? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And how old were your brothers and sisters? Give us the names. And uh, Stephen yep. was seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alyssa was six, five. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah was three. Yep. So I, All young two. kids. Yep. She's seven years younger than me, so yep. I was nine. She was two. Awesome. And yep. you've been here ever since. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn attention back over to you, McKaylee, because, yes— Paul, you've been raised in the church, essentially, Mm -hmm. Um, and we do want to get to your testimony, but I'm curious, Michaela, of how you came to know the Lord and uh, your testimony and relationship with with God. Yeah, so I didn't come to know the Lord until I was a senior in high school. Hmm. Um, Yeah, my family didn't even go to Christmas services or Easter. The option was there to go with my grandma, my dad's mom, Um, but we never never went, and um, so I had... I was faced with a really difficult medical decision when I was 17. They told me that by my mid-20s, I would need hand crutches for the arthritis that was developing in my leg, but they Mm -hmm. never had done the surgery that I was going to have on anyone before. So it was a big medical Mm. research. Um, So Mm. that's scary when you're 17. You don't know what to do. Um, I still sometimes remember um, thinking about how do you make that decision. And I went to my grandma because my dad's mom had this hope that was unshakable. She's been faced with a lot in her life and she always had hope. And I asked her, what's this hope that you have and how do I, how can I have that? And she told me about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so um, then I went to college, I had the surgery. Um, I ran my first mile, which they didn't promise me to ever run again in wow. college. And then I went to college and I, that's where I really fell in love with the Lord. I really started walking with the Lord. Um, my sophomore year of college, I got a mentor couple and a leader and a Bible study leader who really took me under and taught me what the Word said. Hmm. Hmm. And so from that, I, I guess, kind of moment where somebody led you to mm-hmm. the Lord, there, there's that moment of belief, but then there's components of where you're saying discipleship that was occurring mm-hmm. and mentorship and growing spiritually. Right. What what one thing stood out to you in college, or was there more of a, a moment where you're like, yes, this is real in my life? Oh, that's good. Um, I studied abroad in France um, for a semester my sophomore year of college, and Zach and I had just started dating the month before I left, and um, he had just become a, a new believer hmm. um, right before we started dating, um, and I was you know, a newer believer, maybe a year and so um, we weren't being discipled at that point. We kind of were just trying to figure it out on our own. And so when I went to France, the Lord really laid it on my heart of, and, and his heart as well of what this looked like to follow him and pursue him. Hmm. Um, and I think it was in that moment that I was terrified to call my boyfriend at the time and tell him all these things that the Lord was telling me about. And it was the, it was the most beautiful conversation because we, we both felt like the Lord was speaking. 
Hmm. So you guys kind of had a similar past together yeah. almost. And that's yeah. an interesting thought about how God will bring you guys together. Right. Um, when did you guys get married? Uh, we got married in July, right before we came. July right before 15th. you came? Okay. Neat. Yeah. So newlyweds. Yes. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Paul, you, you were raised in a Christian home. You have a probably uh, an interesting story that is different than McKaylee. And so share with us not just how you came to know the Lord, but your journey along the way. Um, yeah. You know, that has kind of led you to where you realized, okay, this is real in my life. Ah, man. You know, growing up, um, where do we be begin? Uh, I came to know the Lord. I came to realize I was a sinner and knew it mm -hmm. and believed that Jesus paid the price when I was five. Mm. I hit my brother over the head with a green squirt gun. And my dad yoked me up and gave me a spanking. <laughs> and he said, why'd you do that? I don't know. And then he explained why I did that. And the problem of sin, it made sense. And, um, and that separation. Uh, and uh, I, I believed in that point. But I, obviously a five-year-old can't have the knowledge and understanding. So I, I constantly thought I lost my salvation. Because mm. I was still a bad kid. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, really ADD, stressed my folks out a lot. Um, you know, not intentionally, but just I was a tough kid to manage. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, uh, early on, you know, there's controversy with me and my folks. And through that um, was where the enemy took a foothold in my thinking. Mm -hmm. And from the time I was five, shortly after I became, you know, believed in Jesus, the enemy said, your, your mother doesn't love you. Mm. How could God love you? And that became a foundation of my thinking. And so I didn't know this, and you've seen my life and, you know, wit's end, and there's, mm -hmm. we don't have, mm. I, I didn't even know my own heart. And that was the first time that the Lord was starting to reveal uh, a different kind of way of seeing him and, and going to him. Mm. And so <clears throat> he, he exposed that that was based on a lie. And so... Um, I was going, and, and this is going through my divorce, right. and then around the same time, I lost my brother-in-law, my, my ex-wife's brother, mm -hmm. who, was, who was like my big brother I right. never had. Mm -hmm. I lost my grandfather, Josh Dahl, who was mm -hmm. one of my closest friends at the time. He had just gone through a separation and then got back together with his wife. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my good friend, Scott Slater, was murdered by his brother, all within 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. As I'm going through the finality of divorce, and then four deaths, and I mean, I... I was done. And as I'm wrestling with this, I don't love you, God. Why don't I love you? And he says, it's because you don't believe I love you. And I, well, how do I, well, how do I believe that you love me? <laughs> and it's around this, you know, few weeks of this time of dealing with all this death and, and divorce that I knew I was going to self-destruct. Mm. Like, you know, I'm going to go back to the only thing I know is mm. to self-medicate. Mm -hmm. And this time it was going to be bad. Hmm. And I remember I'd had a real sweetness with the Lord for seven months through the pain, but I was really, you know, like he was revealing stuff like that. And, and uh, I remember thinking, oh, Lord, I'm going to miss you. Hmm. I'm going to run headlong into women, drugs, and booze and just self-destruct. And I'm going to miss you. And I'm sitting there and, and reading uh, St. John of the Cross's Dark Night of the Soul and uh, sipping on whiskey and just thinking, I'm, I'm about ready to go full-on self-destruction. Mm. And uh, 
sitting out in front of my house on the porch, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, which I wasn't very familiar with, says, in all your ways, acknowledge me, (laughs) and I'll direct your path. And I didn't know what that meant. And he said, you know what? When when you're doing well, you talk about me a lot. But when you're in your self-destruction and pain, you run from me. Don't do that. I know where you're going to go. I love you so much. Take me with you. I know that you're going to do awful things. Just everywhere you go, tell everyone your only hopes in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I really believed. And it's supernatural. It couldn't mm-hmm. be taught mm-hmm. by anyone but the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And my, my heart expanded to believe he loved me. He was mm-hmm. just saying, yeah, I know where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say goodbye to me. Just take me with you. And it was messy, if mm-hmm. as you remember, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, there were people that said I was never a believer. Mm-hmm. There's people that said I was a lost cause. And they just couldn't understand. There was people that got together to do an intervention at mm-hmm. Panera Bread. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't explain to them, listen, I know this looks bad. It's, it looks awful. And there is a trail of destruction. Sin leaves its wake. Mm-hmm. But the Lord has me right where I am. And I can't get myself out of here. He's the only one that can and he has directed my path. And and when you when I had that promise that, hey, you you take me everywhere. You tell everyone your only hope's in Jesus and I'll direct your path. He's done that. Mm. And he still is. And I waver and doubt and stuff because I want him to clean me up quicker. Mm-hmm. I want to be all I want to be sanctified, <laughs> not the process of sanctification. Yeah. And and it's slow and it's arduous and well, there's no, that's the beauty of sanctification, if you're looking at that. It's a, it's a constant process, mm-hmm. and it's not until uh, the day we meet Christ where there's going to be, in glory, uh, the mm-hmm. perfection. And yeah. so you know that there is, it's going to be messy. Yeah. But I, I, I want to hold on that thought of where you're saying God was leading you, because he's calling you, essentially, to say, go proclaim who mm-hmm. I am to anybody that you know. And not just anybody, but it is anybody, but he's like, to the worst. Mm. To the, to the dregs of society, mm-hmm. to the people that are living a completely destructive life. Because mm-hmm. um, you, I, I, and you're right, I've known you for a while, and there is this calling that God has in your life to where I believe he's placing you in these certain situations where he's calling you to love him more so then you can show and proclaim that love to other people. And, and there is this... Uh, there's a group of people that think we can talk about, and I want to hear some stories of, of how you've proclaimed that to that kind of segment of the population that might seem to be the unlovable, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but, McKaylee, you know, we were talking about your path and how you found some moments of clarity, you know, maybe in France or wherever it might be in your college journey. What has led you to a place to where you have recognized God's love to where you're realizing, I need to share this with other people. Because there's a moment of where, yes, we can receive and, and feel God's love, mm-hmm. um, but there's going to be a part where, as a form of worship, as we talked about in last week's podcast and episode, that we're then, it's going to be a natural progression to share that to other people. Yeah. So how have you seen that progress in your life to where you are sharing the love of God with others? Mm. Probably came towards, you know, maybe junior year of college, and I was so um, 
on fire for this this Lord that I just had learned about that gave his life that was so selfless to love and I never understood that before like you said you might have a knowledge and I had recognized that years ago when my grandma had told me about it but it wasn't until you experience it when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you supernaturally and um, and I would say it was when I just couldn't get enough and I was I was consumed by what God was sharing and what he was telling me but I couldn't hold it all for myself there's people in my life that I wanted to know this love hmm. that saves um, and this Christ that only that only can save. And I know that I come from a family who didn't understand and they were my first witnesses. They had to yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's natural, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're coming to realize, okay, I, I have this relationship with God in a way that I know that I have this eternal salvation mm-hmm. planned out for me and they don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. There There's a component of, well, if I have the cure for cancer, I want to share it with people, yeah. right? If I have the cure for uh, e- eternal salvation and faith in Christ, you got to share it, right? Mm-hmm. So what happened when you shared with your family? How yeah. did that go? Um, you know, each member of my family is different. I come, my parents are divorced. Um, and so, you know, it just, you know, my stepdad and my mom, you know, they, they took it differently than my dad and his wife. And so, and everyone that I would share with, you know, left my grandma is amazing. My dad's mom's amazing. Um, and she has always prayed over our Sunday dinners. My dad has five siblings. And so every Sunday she had all of us over 21 of us and she would pray over dinner. And finally those prayers made sense to me. Mm-hmm. She was saying what she was praying. She said, I prayed about for you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I want to join you and pray for the rest of our family. Um, so I don't really, sorry, no, you're making Yeah, when you think about it. And I think in college, um, I was so involved in our ministry. I went head first and I said, I want to do everything. Something that I never had the opportunity for growing up. I didn't, you know, I played sports, but I wasn't involved in anything. And so there was this group of girls that I just wanted to know who, I wanted them to know who the Lord was. Um, and so I took them everywhere and we did everything together. And I, and I think that was what I didn't know at the time was discipling them. Mm-hmm. Can you look back on any one of those conversations and walk us through like how you approached it? What did you mm. bring up specifically to your family? You know, whether it be your mom or your dad or yeah. their spouses, like how did you take that step? What was the initiating comment <laughs> to say, I have something amazing. You need to listen to me. Like, <laughs> how, you know, what, what was that? I guess almost, segue comment that you can think through that gave Mm -hmm. you that boldness to say yeah this is what you need to hear because you have a relationship with them yeah you know right yeah so they're gonna listen to you Mm -hmm. and and so what what stood out to you of how would you approach that i think it was just covered with so many weeks and months of prayer because you're away at college right so i was and states away at school. So I had a lot of time before I came home for a break um, to think about how I was going to tell them. And it was almost, I probably, I can't remember, I probably called them and told them, like, mm. you have to know about this Jesus. And mm. then they, I think they have heard about Jesus before and they said, oh, we know about Jesus. Mm. Um, but it's, it's more than a knowledge, right? Um, so I, I don't know if I can remember. I know that I had brought my Bible and I was like a little child. Um, and I was like, you have to look, you have to look what it says. <laughs> you have to read right here. Um, and I think that, that, that my excitement <coughs> might have been 
you know, what is the reason that they listened? And they loved me, you know, Mm -hmm. so they wanted to hear and listen as uh, any parent does. Um, And so I don't really, to speak to that. I'm just curious, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. The the unique situation of somebody who you're speaking to, your family, Mm -hmm. they're going to care enough to essentially listen to you. Yeah. That's not always the case to somebody who you you don't have a similar closeness in a relationship to mm-hmm. um and, and essentially somebody who you have to build a bridge in as we've been talking in this yeah. focus to to build a relationship to get to the point of saying hey i have this amazing thing i want to share with you about jesus and, and so paul you probably have more experiences of talking to people and building bridges with people mm-hmm. in order to then say, hey, I have something about it. So pick up the rest of your story of when God's calling you and be like, you need to share, share who I am to everybody. How did some of those conversations go down? Um, I mean, they, they don't look like the typical mm-hmm. um, witnessing because a lot of times it'd be in a bar and I'd be hammered talking with another guy who's hammered who just lost his wife, you know, passed away or lost a child or... And they're just experiencing so much pain and that they're drinking. And it's same we can share in our sufferings <laughs> through getting hammered. And, Not always recommended, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- this is where, where I went and the Lord said, take me with you. Yeah. And so I'd be there and I'd hear their story. And early on, I mean, from when I first started going back to the bars and I'd hear someone's story and I'd, I'd share mine. And I'd say, there's one thing we have. That's that we don't have in common. Hmm. What's that? I have hope. Hmm. What? You have hope. You're more of a drunk than anyone here. <laughs> what do you mean you have hope? Oh, my hope's not in me. My hope's in that Jesus Christ is going to get me out of this. He's going to change me. He's going to change what I want to do. Because hmm. right now I want to selfishly indulge in my self-destruction hmm. to, to drown out the, the pain, the lies from the enemy, you know, to just numb myself. Hmm. And they'd just be like, oh, okay. No one would argue with me because how do you argue with a drunk that says his only hopes in Jesus? I mean, it's like, okay, we're going to let that guy go. And, you know, and then other people, just just wherever. I mean, you know, the promiscuity that, that I went through, everyone I, I slept with, I'd share with Christ. And just be like, I'm a mess. And I'm, I'm my only hope out of this is Jesus. And, and, and it went that way until... Um, about and 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 I have to say that this was fueled out of hatred and anger towards what happened to me mm. as far as you know the divorce losing mm-hmm. that the family that was an idol in my life good things can be idols mm-hmm. and family and and a husband and all that was an idol in my life so when that was taken from me I I couldn't handle it and it was just a open display of my idolatry and and the one thing is, all that knowledge I had didn't bring me peace or comfort. Mm-hmm. I knew all this stuff, mm-hmm. but it's like, where is that here? And the Lord deconstructed me. Mm-hmm. Not in this new, I've heard recently this Christian deconstruction stuff. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but this was, this was God would say, no, you've been depending on your own knowledge mm-hmm. your whole life. And, and exposed that I was arrogant over it. Mm-hmm. I was proud that I knew what I knew. And mm-hmm. if somebody didn't know certain authors... Well, man, they they don't they don't have it. I'm better than them. Mm-hmm. And boy, but when 
the rubber hits the road and you've got trauma and suffering to deal with, mm-hmm. none of that, none of those authors, none of that knowledge did anything. And God was just stripping me bare to say, hey, mm-hmm. no, you've been depending on your fallen intellect mm-hmm. to understand things that have to be spiritually discerned. And so it's been 16 years of a slow process of him teaching me how to come to him. So bring us to more of, of present day. Um, are you still stumbling around in bars these days? Absolutely. And so how does that look? It's not five nights a week, though. Okay. But what, so what does that look like when you are uh, saying, I am, I, God is changing me. Mm-hmm. God is shaping me more towards his image. And how do you then profess that to somebody else who has listening ears? So about four years ago, I started, I helped out with youth. Mm-hmm. Your son was in my school yes, group. Yes, he was. <laughs> And I started to focus on optics. How are people going to think? Because I still struggle. I still have these desires that are overwhelming. They're just not five nights a week. It's now like once every couple weeks and, you know, or sometimes a couple times a week. But it's, it varies, but it's definitely, I've seen a progress, mm-hmm. forward progress. Mm-hmm. But um, I almost cut myself out of the bars completely. Like, it's like I, because of optics, what people will think. Mm. And boy, the Holy Spirit just convicted me. He said, why? Don't you trust me? Mm-hmm. And every he said that to me many times over these 16 years. And what he's speaking to is, do I trust that he can uproot the idolatrous heart that I have? And so that I don't depend on perfecting my flesh and cutting off all these things. When he goes, no, don't you trust your heart to me? I, I'm the one that's directing you. And I want you there. And he's putting you in those yes. situations that is, yes, potentially tempting in certain ways, mm-hmm. but also potentially ripe for people to hear mm-hmm. about Jesus. Yeah, so so it, the Holy Spirit brought this like weighing, do I want to protect my flesh or, or perfect my flesh in my own strength mm-hmm. at the cost of somebody that may hear Jesus? I mean, because I, I can tell you, almost every time I go to a bar... I'm aware of, Lord, who are you going to bring here? Mm -hmm. And it's not jump right in, hey, Jesus loves you, Mm -hmm. because we're Mm -hmm. not called to make converts. Mm -hmm. We're not called really to witness the way that a lot of people witness, of one and done, done, hey, here's a track, Mm -hmm. let me share Jesus. No, we're called to make disciples. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my best friend, who's gone through all the drugs and and women with me, you know, through my self-destruction, he would ask me several times, Paul, does it bother you that I don't believe in Jesus? I don't believe what you believe. I said, yeah, of course it does. But God's got me in your life. He's put you in this, and I'm confident that he's going to draw you to himself. Mm -hmm. And 15 years later, this just happened maybe six months ago. He told me a story. He said, Paul, I was over at um, a friend of his who who died of a heroin overdose. He was at his dad's house. And he kind of goes and, you know, drinks with his friend's dad. And his friend's dad, um, Barry, said... uh, do you believe in God? And Adam goes, you know, it's funny you ask me that because I never did. But you know, Paul, yeah. So I, I believe what Paul believes now. Hmm. And and he's been coming to my Tuesday hmm. lunch devotional that, with uh, Jeff Dahl and, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> uh, you know, Dennis Bloom and hmm. uh, a group of guys that we meet, Jim Taro, you know, we, there's a bunch of them, Mark mm-hmm. Klein, and we meet every Tuesday and, right. and do a devotional. Hmm. Uh, Jim Davis usually reads it, and we have a discussion. Sometimes it's lively, and sometimes we just kind of like listen and pray, and then it's done. But Adam calls me and says, I want to go. Hmm. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go. 
you doing Tuesday lunch today? Yeah. Come hmm. on. And so, I mean, that's 15 years. Like, and it was never any, but we're called to enter into intimate fellowship with into people. relationships. Yep. And I, I like what you said about not just this one and done, you know, just tell people about Jesus and leave them. There's mm-hmm. the discipleship component that Jesus spent hours and days and weeks and years with people mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. disciples. And, and so... And they didn't get it right away. No, yeah. And how can we model that and realize that the building bridges component is not just one plank. It's multiple planks over many times. And sometimes we'll see the end result. Sometimes we'll see the the salvation process and the conversion. Sometimes it's just planting those seeds. And we've been talking Mm -hmm. about that this whole time as well. Michaela, for you, you're placed in a situation with a career. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're engaging with people all the time. So tell us about your job and tell us about maybe it's not a bar scene like Paul. That's why I love these two opposite <laughs> points of view to get across the same message. So how does God use you where you are in your workplace? Yeah, so um, I work in private practice currently in Winchester. Um, and it's such a cool opportunity. I'll go back to clinicals real quick. So I went to um, a Catholic university Uh, for uh, grad school and undergrad and so um, I felt pretty safe to to I never asked for permission if that's where I'll start there but I felt in my in my mind of the Holy Spirit said share and I would share and it wasn't with every person and I wanted it to be with every person Hmm. Um, I remember some patients specifically you're in a room uh, you've probably all been to the doctor's office maybe yeah. once or twice Painfully, in your life. Painfully, yes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you're in a room with the, it's usually the provider and the patient. And it's a, an intimate moment like you talked about. Um, they share, you know, you see some struggles that people go through. Um, you see you give them diagnoses and test results that aren't always good. Mm. Um, and you see people at their lowest and you see people at their highest. You know, mm. you see people that have overcome things and they're so excited and they want to tell you about their grandkids and things like that. Um, but it's it's in those moments um, that the Holy Spirit. If I always, when I go into a room, I pray over the door handle. Mm. Lord, let me know what they need from me, mm. what they need from you, and how I can I can deliver that through me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's many of patients. He says, you know, and it still makes me nervous sometimes to mm. say when the Lord's like, ask them to pray, mm. tell them about Jesus. And I'm like, okay, all right, I, I will. Mm. Um, and you know, sometimes the patients will, will say no. And that's, that's a whole nother factor of you have to know, you have to be confident enough in Jesus hmm. for someone to say no. Hmm. Um, and I, that's something I've learned. And confident <laughs> enough in Jesus and confident enough in the Holy Spirit leading and prompting you. Yeah, for sure. Being aware and sensitive yeah. to that. Because he's told me no before to not ask. Hmm. And you find out later um, of the reason why. And you're like, oh, hmm. okay. And, um, and, but there's people that I've, I've prayed with and patients that um, have shared things that they've never shared with anyone before. And they come back multiple times just to, just to hear about this Jesus or just to hear about the hope that you have hmm. um, and that you can share. And I've pointed a lot of people to scripture and um, hmm. things like that. And again, that's just being a witness for Christ. It's just basically <laughs> being a, a testimony and being a light in a workplace that might be a little scary and intimidating at times mm-hmm. and be like, God, you really want me to say this in this moment right now? Do you really want me to pray with this person? And yet, you, you at the end of the day, I got to imagine you're like, it, it's got to give you the feeling of 
not satisfaction is not the right word, but mm-hmm. just knowing that, yeah, I'm, I'm doing what God's calling me to do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there, so there's moments where the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you <laughs> and lead you. Yeah. And I know, Paul, you've talked about this a lot too, of just kind of the prompting the Holy Spirit. And a lot, bathe with prayer. You're saying, <laughs> you're, you're praying over the door handle as you're opening it. And Paul, you're saying you're constantly in communication with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, might be fighting or arguing, but you're in communication with God in that form of prayer that yeah, then I put leads it, I go you. kicking and screaming. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always kicking and screaming right. in my head. But it leads you to then opening your mouth and saying something mm-hmm. about Christ. Yeah. Uh, and you both have this heart for others from that component. Yeah. I, and there's a shifting. So um, in, in thinking hmm. that uh, the battle is in our minds. Mm. You know, we have an enemy, and it's it's odd that the Old Testament doesn't really talk about our enemy. The New Testament has a lot, you know, and and Second Corinthians talks about strongholds and fortresses in our minds set up against the knowledge of God. And I remember <clears throat> um, I was getting pretty baked in my office and just contemplating my enemy. That's mm-hmm. one of the things, I, I don't know if, eh, whatever. <laughs> um, and I, I was just kind of like, well, you know, who is my enemy? The enemy is the spiritual unseen forces. They work in my thoughts. He's a deceiver, a liar from the beginning. This was like four years ago. Never dawned on me. I could see everyone else is believing lies. Hmm. Never dawned on me that I am too. Hmm. Because that's what deception is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not believing lies. We don't know the lies we believe. So I started praying, Lord, reveal to me the lies I'm believing about you about this world, about myself, mm-hmm. over and over again. Because I'm, if we have an enemy and that's his warfare, then, and the, you know what happened as soon as I realized that and thought to ask God, this voice screamed in me, goes, no! Mm. It was like my flesh, mm. this ego that the world calls, the Bible calls the flesh, rejected that thought that I was believing lies. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely believing lies. And uh, because the the deceiver wants to hold you down, mm-hmm. especially when the Holy Spirit is saying, "Just proclaim me." Mm-hmm. Well, what's the opposite of that? It's get you to a spot where you're thinking so much about yourself mm-hmm. and self-focused that you're not walking by the Spirit, and you're you're gonna not then proclaim and mm-hmm. be a witness for yeah. the Lord to other people, right? And and along the same lines with those prayers, I I, I started asking him, Lord, give me your perspective. I have this temporal perspective that's mm-hmm. so drenched in my my selfishness and what I think and my expectations and give me change my temporal view to an eternal perspective. And that's where it's like as that starts changing, it's crazy because first Corinthians one nineteen, I think it is, says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing mm-hmm. in this world, but mm-hmm. to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Mm-hmm. And the message of the cross, the gospel, is a perfect holy God comes down and saves his enemies. It's not a superhero saving the good guys from the bad guys. He came and saved the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And and the perspective that changes when... <clears throat> so instead of going, oh, I'm not going to share because I could lose my job. That's mm-hmm. a temporal view. Mm-hmm. Now it's like... If I share and I lose my my job, praise God! Mm-hmm. I'm suffering for Christ. Yeah, I mean, wow, the value in that, the mm-hmm. eternal value, mm-hmm. because the temporal is fleeting. 
you know, and, and if we live only for the temporal, we're going to go and, and everything is going to be burned up, hay, straw, and stubble, mm-hmm. and there will be no precious stones there. But as God changes our perspective, we see what values, mm-hmm. what matters. Have you thought about that, about sharing something or praying with somebody and potentially losing your job? I have, yeah. I ask the Lord every single day for protection, mm. um, and if it's his will, he'll take me out of it, mm. um, out of the job, the career. Um, but there's, in my mind, like you said, there's there. What if what if I didn't pray for them when the Holy Spirit said pray? Yeah, mm. yeah. So, wrap this up for us real quick. I want to hear from both of you guys. For people who are watching and listening, what suggestions? What advice do you have for people who just haven't gotten out of their shell? And I'm talking to myself. You know, there's times where I have not gotten out of my shell to to speak about Christ to someone, mm-hmm. and so. You've mentioned prayer. You've mentioned Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There's so many factors that, that play in that. But like, what what is kind of the the big takeaway tip mm-hmm. that is going to prompt you to then say something about Christ to someone else? I think just acknowledge reading His Word and acknowledging on who He is, and then when you stand on His solid rock of foundation of who He says He is, mm-hmm. like Paul says, like you're not believing the lies that the enemy say. Mm-hmm. Um, about everything that's going on, then you have this this uh, uh, fire, this desire to share, and it really just comes from. I feel like the best way that I would say to do it is just just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds silly, and it sounds scary. And I think I remember I remember the first patient I ever prayed with, and I said like, Lord, I don't even know how to how to pray. He's like, Yes, you do. I was like, mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm questioning everything, and and it was just. He said, close your eyes and pray for this person and tell them in this prayer who Jesus is. Hmm. And I said, okay. Hmm. And I think that's the, that's my advice would be just know where your feet are. They're on the solid rock of Christ. Mm. Yeah. Foundation mm-hmm. in Christ. Paul, I mean, what do you, what thoughts do you have to share to people of the encouragement to proclaim Christ? Well, it's all about cultivating your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't experienced his love and mm-hmm. it's Christianity's just been this religion that stayed intellectual, then you're not going to be motivated. In fact, you're probably going to be a little hateful towards people that aren't like you mm. and fearful of that. And so I just direct, I'm, <clears throat> I send this to a lot of people. It's, it's kind of my prayer note of what I pray for often. And um, I, I, I wrote it down here. Uh, As you're pulling it up, I'll just give you some time to think because what you're saying is 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 so true, and it's just cultivating the relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. because it's out of that understanding of who God is and the the heart <clears throat> of worship and response that is going to cause us to say, oh, I can't help but do it. So yeah, is that close to where you're going? Yeah, yeah. because uh, so this is kind of a daily thing. I pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal to me the lies the enemy has me believing about God, myself, and the world. That the Holy Spirit would expose my true motivations, which that's been crazy. Because mm-hmm. I've thought I've had good intentions at mm-hmm. times, and he stripped it bare. And I'm, you know, we're in a process, and I, I haven't passed a certain place yet, but I know mm-hmm. it's coming. Mm-hmm. But every, every motivation behind what I yeah. do, except for a couple times where the Holy Spirit's done, but it's out of fear of loss or greed. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I want people to go, oh, look what Paul's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's gross. I'm like, God, why am I? 
just back <gasps> bring back yourself yeah versus god yep and yeah. so i pray that that he and so he's exposed my motivations and my prayer is that he would give me his mo- the motivation of just loving him yeah. and loving others authentically yeah. yeah without any of those other trappings of my selfishness um, that the Holy Spirit would change my perspective from the self-centered temporal view to an eternal perspective that matches that with the prodigal son's father. Hmm. So I've always identified as the prodigal son. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people identified as the, the self-righteous son. <laughs> and what the Lord <laughs> is doing by changing us and transforming us is that he wants us to identify as, with the father. Mm-hmm. And it's radical. Mm-hmm. A son comes up and says, Dad, I wish you were dead, but you're not. Give me what's owed to me if you were. And he goes, okay. Knowing it's to his, self, his destruction. Mm-hmm. But he eagerly awaits, has hope to come. And, and that's what he wants to transform in us. Recognizing your identity. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that the Holy Spirit would change my desires, what I want. Because I'm going to, John Morrison used to say this all the time. Why do people do what they do? Because they want what they want. Mm. And it's so true. And that this is, again, a super, we can't change these broken twistings of our heart. Only the Holy Spirit can. That's why he was given to us. Um, and that my heart would be changed so that I would love the unlovable and cherish the despised. Because mm. that's not easy. Mm-hmm. Difficult people are difficult people. And it takes a lot of emotional energy. And that's our selfishness and our flesh rearing up so for that he would change that. Mm. And that the Holy Spirit would reveal the perspective on how to rejoice in our sufferings mm. and trials. Mm-hmm. Give it, and that ties into an internal perspective when we, we mm. see value now in suffering. Alongside all these prayers, always having a confession that I'm weak, frail, deceived, selfish, and afraid. And I'm a mm. sheep that needs in desperate need of a shepherd. Mm. Every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to allow your mind to be focused on the proper things. Focus on things above, not on things on the mm-hmm. earth. And I love this conversation because it's going on the heels of what we talked about last week, which is amazing. Talking about the identity, talking about how our heart and understanding for who God is fuels are reaching out to other people, and that's what you guys are exemplifying. And again, nobody's perfect. I'm, again, we're not propping no. anybody up on a pedestal here, <laughs> right? right? Mm. But you know what? God uses imperfect people to bring glory to himself. And um, moment by moment, walking by faith, I think we can do that. So, yeah. Michaeli, Paul, thank you guys so much for being here. Just sharing your stories, and, and if you guys don't know Paul McKaylee, go hunt them down. <laughs> if you bump into them, be like, thanks for sharing. You know, And we want to hear more from you guys as well, because it's testimonies and encouraging stories like this that will hopefully um, inspire you to, to love God more and love mm-hmm. others more as well. So um, continue on with this building bridges focus. And um, you know, Easter's right around the corner. It's a great opportunity just to remind people, hey, mm-hmm. if you don't know who God is, come on out. Easter services, it's an amazing opportunity. So thanks for watching and listening. Guys, Michaeli, Paul, appreciate it. And until we chat again, let's let Christ be the focus of our lives each and every day.